For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill Apter, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to My Big Break, powered by the VOC Nation. Thanks for joining us here, whether you're doing it on our audio podcasts or on our video versions available through our premium uh, outlet as well. Uh, either way, we're glad to have you, and we have got a great story for you this week. Of course, we talk so much on this show about the stories behind your favorite wrestling personalities and how they got to be your favorite wrestling personalities, how they got to uh, achieve their dreams, uh, get to their goals, and reach that uh, higher level of their careers and their lives. Today, we're going to talk to someone who has done all those things, but he's also been uh, responsible uh, for a long time and is now very much responsible for an outlet that tells those stories and has been doing so for decades and decades and decades. So he's uh, certainly someone who is behind many of the My Big Break stories that you've read over the course of years and years and years. Let's bring him on right now from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Kevin McElvaney is here. Kevin, uh, there you are. What's there up, are. Kevin? Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, thank you for being here. This is uh, this is going to be really cool. You know, um, I think that Pro Wrestling Illustrated is, for a lot of fans of a lot of different eras, significant in their wrestling fandom in a lot of different ways. Uh, but before we even get to that, why don't we just why don't we just approach the very few? I can't imagine there are many, but the very few people who are watching this who aren't really acclimated to what PWI is and the history of, of the magazine. Uh, give us a quick rundown. Sure. Um, so the tagline that we've used for many years now and we'll continue to use is that P Pro Wrestling Illustrated is the world's number one wrestling magazine since 1979. So mm -hmm. there have been a lot of wrestling magazines over the years. Uh, there are still other wrestling magazines being published in other countries, but as far as one with international distribution, uh, based in the United States, we are it. We're the one remaining title. Uh, we've had many come and go over the years uh, from WWF and WCW Magazine, WOW Magazine, uh, and ECW Magazine. And then, of course, there were all the other magazines that were under the Stanley Weston family uh, of wrestling magazines with PWI. Um, we had titles like The Wrestler, Inside Wrestling, Sports Review Wrestling. The list goes on. Um, it was many years ago, these magazines were the only way really that people could find out about, especially the Weston magazines, 
um, that people could find out about what was going on in an area that wasn't televised for them. Like, so during the territory days, you would get whatever wrestling was local to you, usually on your, you know, your local UHF station. Uh, with the expansion of WWF and then the NWA in the 80s, that did change a little bit. But I mean, even late 80s into the early 90s, there was still this vast world of wrestling out there that you really couldn't know about unless you had someone to tell you about it. Um, and I mean, that, that includes international wrestling in Japan and Mexico and Europe. Um, and these magazines have, you know, for many years continued to cover those things and um, try and get the word out about wrestlers and promotions that are out there uh, that are worth attention. And then for, for the bigger promotions that, that most wrestling fans probably already know, it's to uh, give analysis of what's going on with them, uh, talk to the wrestlers and have them tell their stories in a way that they wouldn't anywhere else. Uh, one thing that's probably worth mentioning up top, if anyone watching this doesn't know Pro Wrestling Illustrated, is uh, that PWI and the other Weston magazines for many years were just strictly kayfabe. Everything was protecting the business, um, never acknowledging that it was you know, predetermined in any way. Over the years, that loosened a little bit as the wrestling business itself acknowledged those things. Uh, and today it's, there's only stray remnants of that. Um, most notably in our rankings, because those are still heavily based on championships and wins and losses, just because that's a good objective way to point out how people are, uh, are doing in this, in the, the sport and art form that is wrestling. Um, if you have heard of us, the one thing you probably at least know is the PWI 500 was, which is the annual ranking of the world's top wrestlers. We have a women's 100 list as well. Um, sort of treating it like two different divisions, although there are women in the PWI 500 who are competing for the same titles as the men. Um, I only mention this because this has been a big conversation over the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, the 500 list is more or less the people who are competing for the heavyweight championships. So if someone holds whatever that title is called, the world title, the heavyweight title, the national well, I can't think of any promotion right now that ha that calls uh, the national title the top title, but but you get my meaning. Um, we can get in all, all that or not, but um, people have <laughs> probably at least heard of the PWI 500, possibly the Women's 100, um, and we have our annual achievement awards, which are, you know, th those are pretty uh, talked about and uh, hotly discussed. So. Yeah, we're. I, some people might just think we only make lists. We might be the uh, the car and driver, <laughs> and the car and driver, the motor trend of uh, wrestling magazines. But I, I, if I have anything to say about it, uh, that won't be the case for much longer. Well, you know, let me let me ask you first before we even forge into you know more recent past in the future, uh, just to kind of drive home the significance of what this magazine has been just in the realm of pro wrestling over the years. Um, you know, you mentioned WWE, of course, and before that WWF, they had their own magazine for, for many, many years. And all the other major promotions, for the most part, have tried some semblance of their own magazines as well over, over the years. And there's been a lot of others out there. You, I, I think it might be logical to assume that a magazine like PWI is almost looked at as, a, as an unwelcome competitor to the, you know, the products that are being put out by the major pro wrestling promotions. You would think someone like WWE might be like, might look at PWI as that, that insect that won't go away. 
but very <laughs> much not the case. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the t- kayfabe and how, um, you know, stories were written in that way to kind of uh, reinforce the storylines and everything going on that you see on TV or that you're following on your favorite pro wrestling promotion. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the support that a WWE or back then an NWA gave to PWI and vice versa, because I mean, it got to the point where there was that level of trust where there was ghostwritten interviews all the time um, in those magazines, you know, as far as certain quotes or certain things where there was just sort of a level of trust to either directly interview their talent or to create stories to enhance what was going on again. Um, to talk a little bit about that, because I feel like there was a strong bond of trust there, right? So, so there was. Um, going back many years to the, even predating Pro Wrestling Illustrated with those those earlier titles that I mentioned, like The Wrestler, and the more or less what happened was, and this is my understanding, um, these magazines were in character. They were they were kayfabe, and it actually came from the wrestlers before there were these big national wrestling organizations, someone would go and try to conduct an interview and they would say, well, you know, you write me better than I write me. I'm going to give you a promo and you're going to have to go and edit it anyway. You can, you know what I'm going to say, go write it down. (laughs) So basically if there was anything in character for many, many years up until, I mean, I started with the magazine back almost 15 years ago. And back then we were still doing this. It was, if it was a real life topic or something serious, or we actually needed a scoop, we would talk to somebody. But if it was mm-hmm. one of those in-character storylines, you know, to the effect of John Cena says, Randy Orton, uh, your time uh, with the World Heavyweight Championship is over. Like one of those big, all capitalized, uh, <laughs> hyping up a specific storyline, that kind of thing. Yeah, we were still just writing the the quotes. That was that was the practice going many, many years back. We, for quite a, I'd say at least a decade now, that's just not done. Um, but going going back a long time that that was how it was done and i think that trust was built um you know people like bill apter who would go backstage and talk with the wrestlers and the promoters and he'd be ringside taking photos uh and built that trust with these organizations so it does go back a long time but it one thing that is worth mentioning is when you did have something like the wcw magazine we were heavily involved in um taking photos for it and I, I don't know exactly how the ownership of that broke down, but I, I know just going back through the old PWI image archives, I mean, there's WCW magazine photos in there taken by Bill Apter, taken by Craig Peters, I think. Mm-hmm. Just um, maybe not Craig Peters, but there were, uh, so there, there was some collaboration there, but specifically with WWE, then WWF, when they launched that magazine, at a certain point, PWI was kind of, held at arm's length um pwi photographers were not allowed ringside i mean if you if you saw a photo of a wwf event in any of the 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 weston magazines in the late 80s early 90s i mean most of the time it was a a photo shot from the uh a good seat in the stands with a long Mm -hmm. zoom lens um you know they didn't they didn't publish anything that looked terrible and it like they were very selective about what in what went in there and and i'll go back and look at the old negatives and there are some bad shots in there but they weren't used um so that was the case then and then that kind of slipped away even as wwf magazine still continued to exist i think wwe realized that 
there was room for both publications. They, someone wasn't buying PWI or The Wrestler and not buying WWF Magazine. In reality, they were maybe buying all three of them or there were yeah. people just buying WWF Magazine and not. I mean, I know just speaking growing up, I, I was a reader of these magazines and I read all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, subscribed to all of them, you yeah. know? Um, so at some point, and I don't know when this was, and that I mean someone like a Bill Apter or a Stu Sachs could speak more to it. Um, the relationship was, and again, it was never just gone, but you will notice like there was a lot more, uh, there wasn't more coverage of WCW and NWA, but there was, there was, it was evident. Coverage. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, there, was, there was more access. And it's not yeah. that they were going and saying bad things about WWF because they weren't giving access. It was just the, it was, the stories didn't necessarily come off as well sometimes because of that, because the, like the photos weren't as good or like you didn't have um, backstage stuff or something like that. Um, so thankfully today, that's absolutely not the case. Um, absolutely. Far and away, I've not come, I mean, and there's some interactions are better than others sometimes. And certainly like I'm, I'm, I'm a completely new face to a lot of people. So maybe in some cases it's people trying to feel me out, but not a single promotion isn't very accommodating to us. And I've worked with a lot of them at this point with WWE, AEW, uh, New Japan, uh, uh, Impact, Ring of Honor, NWA, even recently like going to uh, additional promotions that we haven't covered in uh really at all like uh, pro wrestling noah ddt uh tokyo joshi stardom and then uh triple a who we had not covered much in a long time they've been nothing but accommodating so i think most of them at least have heard of pro wrestling illustrated and recognize that that name's been around a long time um if not <clears throat> if not specifically pro wrestling illustrated i mean with the Japanese promotions, there are there are still some really prominent Japanese publications, yeah, print publications. So they, I think, they recognize the value of that, and so they're willing to work with us just based on that. Like, oh, okay, yeah, we have this and this over here, which are a huge deal, and like we we get the value of having coverage in your magazine in the United States. Well, it's it's interesting, and I was thinking about this earlier. Um, you know, you think about all the different sort of outlets that pro wrestling has to, you know, besides the product itself, you think about magazines, you even think about video games and toys and all that. Um, mm -hmm. And you think about, Oh, you know, uh, WWE had a magazine that was probably a source of revenue for them, or they have a licensing deal for toys. That's a source of revenue. But when you look back, I mean, I, when I look back in my life and I assume you're the same, you know, being a magazine reader back in the day, that was almost like an extension of how we like to take in the product almost. And it kind of was a way to bring us back toward the product. Like I read about a lot of things because I like to read. So, I mean, I, I would watch some wrestling, but I'd say maybe even more of my focus was reading PWI and reading these magazines because I like to read about this stuff. And then inevitably I would be drawn to, to want to watch it again. Yeah. Um, I'd learn so much more about, that world that now I wanted to check it out on TV or I wanted to go to a live event. I mean, I have to believe that the wrestling world uh, uh, on some level understands the value of a PWI out there because you're just continuing to, 
to to kind of cultivate wrestling fandom in general. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It. I like to use the phrase, and my predecessor Stu Sachs, I think, put this in my head, and it is just stuck, and I've repeated it ad nauseum, ad nauseum since then. Is that the magazines can enhance, can can educate, and then enhance the people's enjoyment of the sport of wrestling. And I like to add in the art form. I do think it's both. Uh, Stu, Stu didn't necessarily say art of wrestling. Right. Uh, he came from more of that that's that sports background, um, and I would. PWI has always covered wrestling as a sport, so I would never get rid of that um, uh, side of it. But I think it, I think it's both, and I think depending how you're talking about it, it's both. Anyway, uh, that was a tangent. Uh, <laughs> free to edit that out. Um, but growing up, it was I was this, the same as you. So I mean, I would watch countless hours of it, but I would also go down to the local Kmart and I would pick up whichever wrestling magazines were there, and I would read about. Oh, here's a name I haven't seen before. Um, and then I would go back to the same store a week later and I would see, uh, VHS, some really just cheaply produced, uh, wrestling from the wrestling wasn't cheaply produced. The VHSs were cheaply produced. There was very, very little, uh, dressing on this. Um, but I'd be like, oh yeah. Um, and you know, mind you, I'm seven years old. I was just reading about Nick Bockwinkle. Here he is having a match with Jerry Lawler. Let me go watch this. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, just these people that I had not heard about, I was getting an education on wrestling history, but also wrestling present. Some of the, the you know, because there were still remnants of the territory days at that point. And the uh, lady, well, I, by the time I was reading, it was the early 90s, but it was more or less on the way out. But, um, you know, there was still plenty of coverage in PWI about those places. And there were people I would have had no awareness of. I mean, I, I watched WWF and WCW, but... Outside of that, I wouldn't have known who anybody was. I wouldn't have known about somebody from Japan unless they came over and wrestled in WCW like Great Muda did. But there, uh, there was this opportunity to just learn about it. And then also you you would read the columns and like, oh, yeah, I remember watching this too. And like, oh, it seems like this person really didn't like what I thought was pretty good. And like, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, or vice versa. So, and I mean, we, we're, we're still doing that. Um, and I think there's a real opportunity there for someone who who's never been a reader of these wrestling magazines because, I mean, although honestly, they're such an institution. And I mean, even WWF mag WWE magazine, you know, it, it's been gone for a little while now. But people now, even like who I would consider the younger wrestling fans, um, not not kids, kids, but like people who are in their late teens, early twenties, maybe, even they grew up with some kind of wrestling magazine but if, you, if you're watching this and you you aren't somebody who did or, or never saw the, the the point of it i mean just think about anything else that you might be into if you are a film buff or you are really big into a certain kind of music you'll go online and you'll be on message boards and you'll read about um you'll read interviews with the people that you uh admire um you want to read maybe reviews or or columns of some kind about about these topics um that's what we do for wrestling. That's what every good wrestling publication does. So yeah, I think that's exactly what it's there for. And I mean, it's ultimately to increase the love that people have for wrestling, tell them about new kinds of wrestling, but also just make them want to go back and watch something they already saw, you know, or, yeah. or seek out more from a specific wrestler who they already enjoy, you know? Uh, 
wrestling has been a huge part of my life for just about my entire life. And uh, I want to give back to it in any way I can. Yeah. And, and going back to your point earlier, you know, talking about, uh, you know, working with WWE, working with all the different promotions that you've cultivated relationships with, there's a credibility there. Um, I think for those of you who may be checking out the magazine for the first time, because you're seeing, um, you know, a WWE talent get an award from PWI and you're seeing that talent talk about it on social media and, you know, pose with that, the, you know, whatever it is, the plaque, you know, it's clear that this is, uh, you know, a thumbs up, uh, credible source of more information and more analysis of the, the wrestling that you're watching on TV or streaming or whatever the case may be. Um, so it's not just, you know, I think people probably have the idea of, you know, almost the same thing as, as a podcast, right? I mean, you could have the podcaster who's just the, the 12-year-old making something in his basement and, you know, he's just going to kind of babble on for a while. And then you've got journalists who's, who are doing actual journalism. And in the, the context of the pro wrestling world, you guys are the, you know, ultimate source of journalism about pro wrestling. So I think that one aspect of what you guys do has not changed at all over the decades. It's still something people should depend on. I mean, that's, that's a huge compliment because I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people like to rag on wrestling journalists, but there, I mean, there are a lot of people who do great work. They, you know, the Dave Meltzer's and Mike Johnson's of the world. Um, but it, it, to have PWI in that discussion, when we, you know some people many years ago wrote us off as just this kayfabe publication, we're not doing any real digging into things. And and truth be told, we're not doing a lot of the real like investigative reporting. Um, that's not to say we don't have analysis or opinions on things. We we that's a huge part of what we do, but we're not trying to break scoops necessarily. We're not trying to you know go searching through court records. Um, right. There's there's absolutely value in that. I mean, I think of someone like uh, David Bixen's fan. I mean, he does amazing work with that, and I think that's really important. Um, I view PWI's role as more to uh, lift up wrestling, and that's that's not to say that we we still have responsibilities as journalists and we have to cover things ethically. And you know, as we find out more and more about the what goes on behind the scenes, it that does mean covering the uncomfortable and awful things too. Um, but ultimately I want wrestling to be a better place for, for wrestlers, for fans, for promoters, for our readers, for everybody. So I do take that really seriously. Um, and to your point about the, the 12 year old babbling in the basement. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the pitch of everybody, not everybody has the same level of credibility, but everybody starts somewhere. If I, oh, sure. if I had had a headset and YouTube when I was 12, I'm sure I would have done something. Um, I'm I'm literally babbling in my basement <laughs> now, so it's all yeah, good. You have some background in uh, <laughs> journalism yourself, including well, you haven't said it yet, but with uh, with our magazine. So I mean, it's yeah. it's like <laughs> so are we talking about that? We should talk about that. <laughs> no, well, I, I was actually going to bring that up because yeah. uh, you know you had said, and I don't. My memory is just. So yeah. I, to, I'll be very honest with you. I don't remember. Um, I, I feel like we've met before back yeah. in the day. Um, I, I don't really remember for sure if that's the case because um, we used to have, you know, a, there was a period of time where I was writing for PWI and 
you know, people would come out, you know, PWI would be invited to attend Raw tapings and SmackDown tapings and things like that. So those are sort of the events or sometimes um, while I was working, I've talked about this on the show before, while I was working as an announcer locally, um, some of the PWI writers would be out there covering the event. Um, I know that, you know, you and I share uh, in uh, Brady Hicks, who's a big part of VOC here. Um, I got to know him pretty well. Uh, feels like 80,000 years ago <laughs> at this point. Right, right. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I remember very specifically how I came to PWI. You mentioned Stu, who, uh, Stu Sachs, who was your predecessor and had been for, uh, how, how long was he in that chair? 40 plus years. Yeah, it was like wow. 40, almost 42 unbelievable um, he, was, he was an editor-in-chief the entire time but that was his tenure at the magazine and he was editor-in-chief for many of those years and then uh publisher and photographer and columnist he, he really did he wore a lot of hats <laughs> he he was a he was such a, a a great guy um as far as being open you know i because i had been doing a little bit of writing i think i actually had the chance to write a little bit for the old tna website so that was kind of my in in the the pro wrestling writing context. And then from that, I had reached out to him and said, you know, I'm doing this. I'd really like a chance to write for the magazine. He gave me an opportunity to do a sample article, if I remember correctly. And that was it. And then he gave me an actual assignment, which turned into a cover story um, out of nowhere, which became pretty much my only cover story ever. Um, so we started oh, on a high level. New- you won the best new artist at the Grammys or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was just, it was cool because he was, I mean, I didn't know him from Adam. He didn't know me from Adam, but you know, he understood that I was just really interested in wanting the opportunity to work for the magazine because of growing up with it, because of the significance it had in my life. Uh, what was your experience first coming on board with PWI and, and the rest? Well, first, let me say, like, so Stu, um, his biggest thing with hiring anybody is that they have a voice and a good command of written language. Um, so it wasn't just that you were interested. I mean, if if he gave you that chance, and especially if it evolved into a cover story, oh my God, the first first time. Was, it, was this in PWI or one of the other titles? It was one of the other. If, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think okay. it was my first one. And it was, a, I, it was an article... Something related to what was then going on between Edge and The Undertaker based around the WrestleMania thing. Um, right, right. That's the timestamp I'm putting on it. That's huge. I mean, that's, yeah. So, I mean, he he saw a, that you were a good writer and that you had a good grasp of wrestling and something to say about it. So, I mean, that's, I mean, he was very selective about who he brought on. Um and I'll, I'll also say, not to interrupt you, but I'll also say, and I think you, would, I'm sure you would have exhibited the same qualities um, if you were a true reader of these magazines over the years, mm-hmm. then I think it's kind of baked in you to understand what that sounds like and to have that kind of voice of those magazines and the way they're structured. And I think I didn't, I, I don't think I needed to put a lot of work into that aspect of it. I just <laughs> knew exactly how those stories flowed and, uh, you know, you know, how you use quotes to kind of enhance it and, yeah. um, there's an there's the, not everybody gets that, you know, that's, and I mean, yeah. that's, uh, so I mean, to, uh, to pull that off, that's, that's, 
and the, the cover story very quickly, even if it was if it even if it was your second, you know, that that's that's huge. Um so very bullied. Congratulations on that. Thank uh, you. By the way, before I finally get around to answering your question, I think we met at a SmackDown taping or house show. I, I and I and I think we were seated next to each other and <laughs> you asked who I was and then we like are you with like I think are you with PWI? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you with PWI? <laughs> yeah, it would always be that random, like, am I just yeah. sitting next to somebody yeah. from a totally different walk of life? Or... Right, right, right. Well, thank, thank you for, for at least being the braver of the two of us to ask that. Because <laughs> um, otherwise it'd be really weird, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so how did... Bill Apter has been in the pro wrestling business for over 50 years. Hey, talking here with uh, Arn Anderson. Arn, first of all, your height and weight. 6'1", 255. And now subscribers to VOC Nation Premium get exclusive access to Bill Apter's archived audio footage. And uh, where's your hometown? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Okay, and uh, give us something about your back. First of all, your relationship to Ole Anderson. Ole is my Subscription to VOC Nation Premium starts at just $3 a month and includes commercial-free audio and video versions of our top podcasts. Okay, we're speaking here with uh, the manager of the World Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Tarzan Tyler and Luke Graham, and he's, uh, he's sort of glowing tonight about a new prospect we haven't heard of yet. And for just $9 a month, Aptor's archives are all yours. Uh, would you tell us who this new prospect is? Well, I'll is? tell you, Bill, I've searched the world and I finally <laughs> found the true world champion. I finally found... What's your opinion of uh, Ivan Koloff winning the title from Bruno San Martino? Well, I think... Uh, I don't know what to say, but I, I want to say one thing. Uh, Bruno was an LA champion. You know? Hear exclusive interviews with the greatest performers of all time. This is Bill Actor, and once again, we're speaking here with... Bruno San Martino. Bruno, first of all, how did you and Bruiser lose that title to the Valiants? Well, actually, it, it was a, a, a very unusual loss, if you want to call it a did loss. Did have anything to do? Well, yes, but the whole thing is that the rules, as I always understood them, was that you, the title could only be lost by pin or, or submission, which is the same rules as uh, my title, the World War Wrestling Federation. That night, uh, it was... To sign up, it's very simple. Head to premium.vocnation.com or go to patreon.com slash vocnation. VOC Nation takes you behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Was the question how I got started? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How so, yeah, what was your first foray into, you know, yeah. getting connected? Um. So there was a posting for a copy editing position um, at a place in there. A, a friend of mine from college sent it over to me and the posting said, the Craigslist posting said something like uh, must have good command of written English and a knowledge of pro wrestling is a plus. And it was in Bluebell. And I'm like, well, I know what this is. Mm. Bluebell PA headquarters of, of pro wrestling illustrated. And then still the wrestler and inside wrestling and, the Almanac and a couple other titles, but um, basically, I I don't know. I got everything together real quick and just uh, I spent more time like double checking things to make sure they didn't have typos and stuff like that, and that I had the right stuff included. Um, and then I think what stood out to Stu 
because I didn't have any published wrestling clips at this point. I was like a few months out of college. Mm. I sent him something for a creative writing class, which was, it was a story about an aging pro wrestler who was like mm. trying to get out of it. And his, I think his wife or girlfriend wanted him to get out of it. And it's just funny because this, this thing that stood out to him, at least, my memory of this story, the description was very similar to Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. It was a couple years before it. So I think something oh, must have uh, stolen my my pitch, I guess, for the wrestler. It rest. was Stu. <laughs> Stu stole your idea on the down Stu, low. Stu, Stu got paid off by Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, that's why, why you retired. <laughs> you didn't need to be doing this this whole time. Um, but, he, but he wrote me back very quickly. And I immediately, of course, recognized his name from the magazine. And he said, um, this position has already been filled. Okay, why is the posting still up? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I needed a job. I was working at, uh, well, you'll know, Wawa, the local convenience uh, uh, chain. But <laughs> it's a regional convenience chain. Um, he said, uh, the position has been filled, but I really did enjoy your writing sample. He didn't say which one, but I, I kind of figured it had to be that one. Um, what do you know about our magazine? So it was very just. <laughs> and then I said, well, here's what I know about your magazine. <laughs> Magazines. And then he said, okay, well, um, we'll talk soon. I might have like a, an assignment for you at some point. And, mm -hmm. and he didn't say anything for a while. And then I eventually followed up with him. And he gave me my first assignment, which was a story about the WWE ECW brand and that they should introduce uh, a tag team championship, which was something I didn't even agree with then. But it was fun. And I mean, I was, uh, you know, right. Ghost writing quotes for Tommy dreamer and uh, Rob Van Dam, I think. And, it was, it was, uh, it was wild. And, but, you know, um, it, from there, you know, kind of, I, I don't want to say it escalated because I, I got a fair amount of work for the first couple of years and then I really didn't. And then I was busy with my day job and I, I actually stepped away for a little bit, eventually mm -hmm. came back, uh, was doing more social media for them, uh, than I was writing articles. So that's fine. Cause I enjoyed that. Like, uh, live tweeting raw, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, continued to contribute throughout the years and got more assignments. And then, you know, I mean, I always kept in touch with Stu. And I think he uh, generally just like knew I was reliable. And if there was something he needed done quickly, I could do it. And he could, he could trust me to handle things. And eventually when he said, uh, eventually he confided in me that he was, looking to, to step away and retire. And he asked if I might be interested in replacing him. And I was floored. Uh, but of course I was uh, interested. So, you know, one thing led to another. I had to come in and meet other people from the company, our parent company. Um, and, you know, March of 2020, very shortly before the pandemic began, I, I was in there training alongside Stu Sachs to take over as the guy at Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which someone who read it as a kid and, you know, like just dreamed of a, a job. Like I, I don't even, I didn't even dream of this job. Cause I never, how was that even possible? You know, <laughs> I, I assumed I would continue writing for PWI until like 
one day there wasn't a PWI or one day there wasn't a me. But <laughs> um, it's just still surreal and can't believe it's happening, but it's it's such it's such a pleasure. Was there a lot of weight put on you? I mean, even just in the early discussions about it, like how not necessarily the pressure that you put on yourself, just the thought of taking this position, because I liken it to Willy Wonka almost, you know, like, I, mean, <laughs> I got a golden ticket. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just the whole idea of, you know, the, you know, he'd been running this thing quite uh, to the point where it was almost single handed, except for, you know, that reliable roster of, you know, people like yourself, freelancers and such to yep. keep this magazine going. And, but I mean, Stu was the guy for all these years and now to be handed the keys to the car and say, okay, the future is now essentially up to you. You're, you're driving. Mm -hmm. um, did that feel like something, you know, talking about meeting with other people from the company, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Was there a lot of weight put on you as far as like, this is a big, big deal that we're considering you for? Yeah. So I, I think Stu for his part, he, he, you know, let me know it was serious and there was going to be a lot for me to learn, but that he believed in me. Um, he was, and he said, you know, anything you need help with, even after I'm gone from here, you can, you can reach out. And, I, and occasionally I do. Occasionally there's something I like, well, what the heck is this? I've never come across this before. Right. And to his credit, he's never once complained about me doing that. I'm always apologetic. And he's like, no, no, please reach out. Um, and, and similarly, like he, <laughs> I mean, he'll he'll tap me for hey, you know, I reached out to so and so at the office. Just I had to ask them a question about something. Can you see what they're doing? <laughs> so, <laughs> very much. Um, but um, he he let me know it was serious and that there was a lot to tackle. But he he believed in me, which was really the the, the big thing. And I honestly think a lot of that came from the fact that Stu throughout the years has just been a reliable professional reference for me and that sort of thing. Like when I had a job change or was taking on like a, a second job because in this economy um, and he would consistently be a reference. So I think he saw all the skills I was picking up over the years. He's like, huh, this guy is like, he's not only writing more, he's PM marketing stuff. He's doing stuff that's maybe not quite publishing, but it's adjacent to it. So I think like the gears were turning for him. I mean, it certainly helped that I, I'm local. I mean, it would have been a lot harder to have a contributor from the United Kingdom or the West Coast, which you know we do have <laughs> to, to right. come over from, because you'd be asking them to uproot their lives. Yeah. Um, but so, so, so a certain amount of it's luck and being in the right place. But it's I, I think he through us staying in touch over the years. In addition to my contributing, he felt that I could handle it, and that was that was really the biggest honor of all of this. That he thought I could take this on from him and. The things he said on his way out the door, just like, you know, because we did podcasts with him and he had sort of his, his farewell tour uh, after <laughs> after many years of not wanting to do any of that. He had his column and he didn't want to be publicly, you know, I mean, he, he, he would go up and introduce himself to, to people at events and things like that. He wasn't antisocial, but he, he wasn't the Bill after who was glad handing and <laughs> people and you know, I was gonna say, yeah, two almost two different identities to and that, face of the magazine, <laughs> that, and that's why it ran so well for so many years because you had both those those halves. So now I have the enviable position of trying to be both of them to agree, but a degree. But luckily, we have a, a lot of contributing writers who step up in so many different ways and and beyond even just writing for the magazine, just social media things and podcasts and other other uh, endeavors, but. 
when Stu said that he knew that he picked, he had a good feeling about me coming in, but he was, you know, of course, nervous handing it off to anybody. And by the time he stepped out the door, he's like, you got this. I couldn't have picked a better person. And that was the greatest compliment I, I could have ever received from anybody. And I do not have um, a high sense of self-esteem. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, uh, it's, it's, I don't necessarily take compliments very well because of that, but just hearing him say that, it's like, oh my God, you know, the tears. I, I grew up reading this magazine that you made and now you're not only trusting me with it, but saying that, you know, you're, I, I think he, there's this other thing he said, and I, this may have been on the PWI podcast, but he said something to the effect of, um, when I handed this off to Kevin, he could have completely burned down everything I did and started over <laughs> a completely like, completely foreign project product and it would have been his right i may have never spoken to him again but it would have been his right <laughs> and but i know he's not going to do that and even as i've you know implemented some changes to the magazine and some some new features and new focuses anytime he's reached out to say anything about the magazine it's been nothing but complimentary and he i, I interviewed him we gave him the the uh, Lifetime Achievement Stanley Weston Award this year, uh, Medusa Michelli. Um, so I reached out to interview him for that. And uh, I did not try to talk about the magazine at all because I, I thought like people just want to know what Stu's doing with his retirement. So at the end of the interview, <laughs> just completely without me asking him about it at all, he just started heaping praise and like, um, you know, there's things that I'll see in the magazine that I never would have done, but Kevin did them and he made the right call to do them. And like, oh my God. So any, so any, so any pressure that was put uh -huh. on me in the beginning, uh, just floored and humbled by the fact that he feels he made the right choice. Now, I mean, granted, this was a month or two ago. Maybe, maybe something since then. <laughs> <laughs> completely alienated him, but I don't think so. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation. Um, I, I think it's amazing. And, you know, I think one of the reasons I was excited to have you on to talk about this is because, you know, even just following the magazine through social media, I mean, that's something, that's sort of a, an area where there wasn't as strong of a voice before. Um, you know, and... I don't think I knew Stu nearly as well as you did, but I always got the sense, even just from the work, that because he'd been there for so many years, there was this, uh, I don't know if there was a reluctance to change, but there was certainly a uh, uh, kind of a momentum to the way he'd been doing things and the perspective that the magazines had. I think that for a long time, any changes in the magazine were very gradual. Um, yes. And I think that you coming on board what uh when i say on board i mean taking over the helm was uh sort of an opportunity to kind of jump start that and put a new face on things and you know to to your point um and to Stu's point also i mean i think any longtime reader of the magazine 
would notice the fact that you've been very um, celebratory of all the things that the magazine has always been doing and tried to uphold so many of the things that they've been doing, but you've just added to it. Um, and you've just, uh, you know, you've made changes in some ways when it, it feels necessary because it's 2021, but also you've found a way to modernize the way they've been doing things and celebrate them instead of just wiping the slate clean. Uh, so how can a guy like Stu um, not be happy to see that everything that he developed is still going to be ongoing in a long term and it's still working in a new way. And at the same time, there's a lot more service, I think, for the new fan. For the you know the social media fan and just the you know the way that you represent the magazine on social and, and the whole team is so um, I don't know where I was going with that well, but thank, I, you. thank <laughs> you that's very uh, it's, I'm glad you're noticing <laughs> that I'm trying to do that and I mean I, I think for every thing that's maybe a little scary and new I introduce I try to do something else for the longtime readers I mean Brian Solomon has his the way it was column which is purely nostalgia throwback right down to the title um mm. i don't think there's been a color picture no I, I i'm wrong actually the the next issue coming up there there are a couple color photos in that one but um it was a lot of black and white photos and just he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of classic wrestling so why not tap into that and sure. have him do that um but you know new columns are being added new features but at the same time, kind of resurrecting some old stuff we hadn't done in a while, reprinting old stories when there's a good reason for it. Um, because, I mean, as someone who has followed the magazine for so long myself, I wouldn't want someone to come in and completely get rid of everything I loved about it either. I, I mean, some of the appeal is the nostalgia and looking back on things that you love from years before. So I think there's a way to do that while also shifting the focus a little bit. And I'd like to think that what we're doing now is and so much of the credit for this goes to the people out there who are very vocal on social media about these these uh issues and whether it be just more representation for people of different races genders sexualities um and and women and just all these all these things that that like you said make sense in 2021 but there's also just this whole Hey, the wrestling world is not just WWE and AEW and occasionally New Japan. There are so many, even just well-established, long-tenured promotions out there who were not getting a lot of coverage in PWI anymore. And and you look back a little a little bit further into the past. I mean, they were, but the the reality is that for a variety of reasons, it's been hard with WWE having so much more programming with AEW with. Um, just so much more to cover it's difficult sometimes to fit all this in there but growing up i remember that's what i loved about these magazines and it was probably also worth acknowledging this is a single 84 page title now as opposed to being able to spread this out over six publications right um but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try because that's that's what i loved growing up the seeing the remnants of the territories day days covered seeing the international coverage seeing like the the growing indie scene of that time coverage mm -hmm. uh coverage covered excuse me <laughs> apparently an editor um but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think you see what i'm saying it's uh i don't think covering all these different promotions and different perspectives is entirely new for pwi either i think it's in a way taking it back to its roots as covering the entire sport of wrestling 
Yeah, it's almost like, in a way, kind of like the territory system again, in that it's not necessarily geographically territorial anymore because everyone can see everything, but it's still very fragmented. There's still stuff going on all over the place. Um, and I mean, you know, going back to talking about all the changes and the things you're adding and bringing to the table, it is an 84 page magazine, but it's also, uh, you know, as you said, podcasting that's just you know that presence is being enhanced and grown uh your digital only stuff like your social media like you are putting more out there into the world and kind of adding to the pwi brand and what people can can check out from it so uh it's pretty amazing because it's at the heart of things a magazine in 2021 which by all rights should you know, if it's if it's not amazing, it should not exist anymore, quite frankly. But the fact is, it's still it's still surviving and thriving, and the brand is growing, which is uh, absolutely uh, something to hang your hat on. I think, if nothing else, just the fact that the success is there. So yeah. forget about compliments. I mean, you don't need to be good at taking compliments. Just you know, the numbers are there, so that's great. I mean, so we're doing pretty well. Um, you know, our subscriptions are up, which is awesome. Um, I would say one thing I'm trying to do is to get these people who either checked out a PWI a long time ago or maybe never read it, um, but love wrestling all the same. Um, and they can love any different kind of wrestling. There's the, the idea is to, to, to present it all to some degree. Um, to get them interested in actually buying the magazine because, you know, our social media following is up. Um, engagement's a lot better than it was because I'm trying to be a lot more active on there and I'm tagging in other people to be active as well. But ultimately this is with keep the lights on. It's a magazine and we offer this stuff up for free, but we are hoping that people will go and, and look, not everybody wants to subscribe. Some people like to go and pick it up from the newsstand or they want to in, order an individual copy from us. That'll, you know, maybe I know some people are collectors. They don't want the the address tag on it, and if they they know if they order a copy from our website, it'll come in an envelope. That's all great. Whatever way you want to do it, um, I would just say if any of this sounds at all interesting to anyone watching or listening, like great way to help keep us alive and thriving is to go out and you know buy the magazine. <laughs> so not not to be all business savvy about it i would keep doing this for forever if i was allowed but i we do have to make sure that there's a reason for our parent company to keep doing that so sure. uh we're doing well but cautious optimism and don't stop supporting us yet everybody <laughs> absolutely and look i mean if you've got a wrestling fan in your life i mean you know you're thinking about oh, i need to give him a birthday gift or something like that like why not you know these magazines are out there that's a really cool thing if i'm a if i'm a kid if i'm a wrestling fan um, I know how I felt about just having something to read about, you know, the wrestling that I loved when I was when I was little. I, I think kids today would feel the same way, uh, maybe even more so because a lot of them aren't necessarily as plugged into the fact that something like this is out there. So it could be, uh, you know, a cool little surprise, a cool little uh, cool little thing to uh, introduce to the kids at the young age and it encourages reading which uh, <laughs> um is today you know today um where everyone's just getting everything through youtube and through their screens um i think it's more important than ever to keep this part of the wrestling business alive the magazines and reading 
And there is a digital version. So if that's a way to ease somebody in because they don't necessarily want to pick up a book, I mean, that's, that's a way it's a little bit cheaper. You can start someone out that way. Uh, but ultimately, I think this is designed to be a print magazine. The layouts are optimized for the page. Um, the digital version has some cool bells and whistles, video links and things like that. We certainly make sure it all looks good before we put it out there. But at its heart, this is a print magazine. Um, okay. And I would like it to continue to be a print magazine as long as we could possibly do this. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, I've got a six-year-old who's just starting to love wrestling. And so my hope is that uh, when he's eight and 10 and 16 and 26 and 60, there will still be a PWI for him to check out as well. So, um, I, I mean, thank you for everything that you're doing to ensure that that happens because I think the future is looking brighter than ever for the magazine. And uh, I'm excited to see what comes from it. Thank you, Jerry. Appreciate the appreciate the support and the kind words. Oh, no problem. Um, so where you know we, we talked about all the different ways people can check out various aspects of what you guys are doing. Uh, where do you want to point people to um, if if they're hearing about this stuff for the first time? They got a free day or a free afternoon. Uh, where would you like them to go to uh, to check out PWI? So I would say if you are on a phone or mobile device, the first thing you want to do is just go to getpwi.com. That's just the quickest. You can see the most recent issue and purchase it physically or uh, in print copy or digitally. You can subscribe from there. You can get a link to our Pro Wrestling Tees store where you can buy PWI t-shirts. That's the, the quickest, most accessible way because our website is very old. We are working on a new website, which should be coming later this year. Um, but it, you know, if you're at a desktop and a computer, um, and and have a few minutes. The full website is great because it does have copies of, uh, not copies, it has the cover of every single issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated dating back to 1979, excuse me. Wow. Um, yeah, it has uh, links to our podcast, to our weekly ratings, which inform the monthly ratings, which inform our PWI 500. If you're, you're following them all year, that's it helps you kind of figure out where people are going to land. A uh, lot of other great stuff. That's pwi-online.com. So uh, that's a good place to go for absolutely everything. But if you just want to say, hey, you know what, I'm ready to subscribe or want a copy of the new issue, uh, you can go to getpwi.com. So both of those work. We're on social media at official PWI on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, we're Pro Wrestling Illustrated. And you should get that pretty quickly just by searching. It'll, it'll pop up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thanks so much. I know, I mean, let's pull back the curtain. We're talking on a Saturday here. So this is a, a bit of a glimpse into the work ethic of Chief of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, and thank you for, for uh, taking the time to talk about this. Um, it's been fantastic. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. And uh, thank you guys for checking us out once again on my big break. We'll see you next time here on the VOC Nation Network. VOC Nation takes wrestling fans behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Get stories and inside information from people who worked on the other side of the curtain. Follow the VOC Nation Wrestling Network podcast feed and get weekly shows from hosts like Bill After, The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, Ken Resnick, The Maestro, Shelly Martinez, Wes Briscoe, and more. Visit VOCNation.com for more information and follow us on Twitter at VOCNation.